Welcome to the Association Strong Podcast, where we offer insight from both a seasoned association exec and an entrepreneur. I'm Dave Will. And I'm Tom Morrison. Listen in as we discuss and debate hot topics in the association community. Don't forget to subscribe and share us with your friends. Tommy Bahami, here we are once again. It's been a little hiatus, but welcome back. Dave, I am so fired up today, and you know why? I do. I do know why. Why? Because we have Pat White. How'd you like how I did that? I just spun it around. Well, I'm I'm fired up because I'm refreshed from a one-week cruise that I just returned from last week. I saw six of the world's best beaches in seven days, and I'm refreshed, refueled, and revitalized to be here with Pat and hear all the things they're doing for their association in the world of member engagement. They being the American Society for Non-Destructive Testing. That's right. A whole long title for a really important company. <laughs> and, and Pat is the member engagement manager with ASNT. And, and Pat, maybe you can, can we start? Actually, you know what, Tom, before we can get into ANST, I mean, ASNT, again, American Society for Non-Destructive Testing. Before we even get into that, I just want to comment that Pat is super, super interesting. She's got in the background here, and by the way, I love it when people have an interesting background and it's not fake. So she's got in the back uh, behind her craft studio where she builds, uh, for the most part, I'm sure many other things, but memorial bears for people who've lost someone they they love. And it's just so cool to see her working as, as a member engagement manager and her hobby surrounding her in her home office. Really, really cool. Yeah, it, it is It is great. So, and it, the one thing that you can't see is my office side is brown and black. My craft side is white and silver. So it's oh, like wow. you, you, you switch, you, you have to flip the switch, right? You got to go in from business mode to fun mode. I so, don't, yeah. Why does business have to be brown and black? Because it's, to it's, it's a strong color. Brown is strong. It's like a cherry wood brown, you know, so it's a strong color. It reminds me of like a sitcom thing you see on stage, you see on TV where you've got the kitchen over here. It's like friends. You got kitchen and living right. room and, you know, the the, uh, the uh, restaurant or pub they were always in. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a studio. It's a it's a it's, it's a right. Set. right. You got a set you're working in. I'm, so, I'm interested, also, Dave, to hear what she had to say about because, uh, you know, heat treating the world that we're in. No one knows what heat treating is until someone actually explains it. So I'm interested to hear her explanation of the association in a way that people listening in go, I never knew that they had to do that for us to live. Yeah. What is what is non-destructive testing? OK, so my, my quick little elevator speech about non-destructive testing is if you weren't feeling well, you would go to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Your choices are let's do a bunch of tests or let's cut you wide open and see what's going on. Ooh, let's just do the, t- I, my vote is let's start with the- <laughs> Do the test, right? The let's testing, do the test. Yeah. <laughs> so non-destructive testing, anything that's man-made, pipelines, the space shuttle, cars, roadways, instead of breaking them down to see where the faults are, they do the tests on them. And so can you give me a, a very specific example of well, actually, no, let's start here. Well, who are your members? Because this actually gets us into the conversation today. Absolutely. Well, you're a trade association mm-hmm. and your members consist of who? So we have members in every every corner of the world. So we're an international society and we have everybody from students to educators to inspectors. We have certified members. Um, so we, we cover all of it. 
Um, so if you have to inspect something, you need equipment. And, and you'll know this, Tom. So you, yeah. you need things to do your job. So in order for them, for any inspector to do their job, we are the certifying body. So we write the exams for people to take these tests. We provide the education through different schools on how to do them. And there's 14 different methods. So there's ultrasonics, there's radiographic, there's, you know, emissions, there's all these tests so that you don't have to break something down. You can find it before it, before it falters. That's why it's called non-destructive. You don't have to destroy it to figure it out. Exactly, exactly. And, and it's, it's a trade association. So how many organizational members do you have? So we have approximately 480 uh, organizational members. We have another 14,000 individual members. And then we have another 7,000 certificate holders. So, so it's, it's, it's really a hybrid where you have some organizational, some professional members, uh, of which some are certificate holders. Right. I get yep. that right? Okay. So the yep. certificate holders are a subset of your individual members. Right. Okay. Exactly. So, so Dave, I've seen that in a lot of collaborate discussions with people asking the question, how many people are an organization and went to an individual or individual to trade? So Pat, I got a, how long have y'all been a kind of a hybrid model like that? Has it been forever or? It's, it's always been this way. It's always been. Um, and they, ASNT started in 1942. So we've been around for a while. Uh, and it's, it's always, I, I do believe it started out as an individual membership. So now our, you know, our company memberships, you know, they, if you're affiliated with ASNT, it gives a little bit of clout. Everybody's right. looking for that stamp of approval saying, hey, you know, we're affiliated, we're, the, you know, accredited with, and we have certification through ASNT. So when, when you're, uh, so engagement for you is, um, to me, it's more complex than the typical professional association, you know, like not to say it's, it's harder or easier or anything, right. but it's more, there's more moving pieces, right? When you're a professional association, you can come up with one strategy for, with many tactics, right? But a strategy for engaging your professional members. Same with trade associations, but there seems to be a fair number of these hybrid associations. It's, it's fewer, uh, I mean, about a third of it. So we have about 200 clients at PropFuel at least. About a third of them are trade associations. And I would say about half of those are a hybrid, mm -hmm. right? So which I, I can't do the math on that, but it's like a sixth. I think that's what it comes down. So a sixth of, if, if this were a, a, a sample set of associations, about a sixth of associations, maybe what's that, 18, 17 and a half percent of associations are this hybrid approach. Now, so if you're talking, and then you add in another level of complexity with these certificate holders. Mm -hmm. um, so when it comes to engaging your members, you have a different goal when you're engaging an organizational member than you do an individual. And then a third set of goals around certificate holders. How do you manage the, the different kinds of engagement with all of them? Well, we have found out Very that- broad uh... question, I know. I know. Let's let's start off with the hard ones, right? Let's get this out of the way. So yeah. we have found out that the only way that we can possibly do it is to identify what each of those moving pieces, what they're looking for. Our certificate holders, 
really may not care about some of the other benefits that we offer, but they care about the discounts. They care about the learning program. Then we have, you know, those organizations, like I said, you know, if they get to be an accredited company with us, you know, if they get that stamp of approval saying, yeah, you've gone through all of, you know, all of the guidelines and you're following everything and now you're there, they don't necessarily care about the discount for books. And then we have the individuals who are our are, are biggest source of what I do. I, I try to engage every one of them, whether they're a student, whether they're a new NDT professional, whether they've been in the industry for 30, 40, 50 years. And that's where it's like, let me find out what you want, what's important to you, what's going to keep you engaged. And and so now you're you're barking up my tree here. So how do you do that? What do you what do you use for email marketing system? Uh, right now we're using Real Magnet, Higher Logic. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so Real Magnet. It's a, I mean, in forums, good tools, both owned by Higher Logic. Uh, when when it, with a broadcast system, how how do you connect with people at the individual level? So the individual level, it starts. We actually start it when somebody registers on our website. So the great thing with that is that we can get them when they register on the website. If they don't make any purchases, then they go into a campaign. And I am all about a campaign. Before we went to had Real Magnet, I was sending out and had to log in and send out a message every couple of days. So with the campaign, they log into the website. They don't take any further actions. They gets told a series of messages of this is why you should become a member or if certification is what you're looking for this this is your route to go once they sign up depending upon the the membership type that they sign up for they go down a whole other campaign so they get the onboarding campaign and it starts with you know get to know ASNT and it's a series of messages it helps them through uh, going onto the website, logging and finding out where their information is. And then if they're a student or they're a new NDT professional, we steer them to our learn program and our career prep that we have. If they, you know, say that they've been in the industry for longer, then we might guide them to the mentoring program. You know, so it, it's all segmenting down. Uh, and the biggest thing is while they're in their onboarding portion, which is about the first 60 days, they don't get bombarded with every other email that we send out. So the only thing that they're getting in those first 60 days are in regards to their onboarding and where to find and navigate things through our website and our other social media channels that we have. So I have a big question for you, Pat. So in the engagement part of it, I mean, in my long tenure, I recognize when you talk to a trade association, you're talking to an organizational owner, an entrepreneur, someone who drives a bigger picture. And then your typical society members are individuals who typically are managers, C-suites, those kind of things. Two very different mental thoughts to try and attract, appeal to through different lenses. So how do y'all go about dissecting those two different mindsets, big picture versus someone in the weeds operationally all the time? Wait, wait, hang on. I want to make sure I understand this question. So you're suggesting with a trade association, the organizational contact, the primary contact is, you're saying is more 
entrepreneurial in nature. Is that what you said? No, I'm, no, I'm saying an entrepreneur is a lot of owners are entrepreneurs, but an owner oh, versus organization, a, yeah. an owner versus a ma someone that works as, in management or for the organization, they think very differently about things, about processes in the business. One is focused on process; the other is focused on big picture. A lot of times. So they're very, I mean, you you probably think, Dave, much differently about your business than most of your employees do if you were to try and engage them. So how do you how do you differentiate in trying to engage and attract an owner versus someone who's a manager within that company? Well, I'd ask first, do you go after the owners of the businesses or are you really looking at a somebody in a role that I mean, I'd, let's start with that question is who do you target at the organizational level? So this is a really great question, especially since this is a, a new field for us to do. We've just recently hired somebody in the marketing department who is looking to do the business-to-business -business interactions. So he's going after those companies. Like we already have a relationship with Boeing. We already have a relationship with, you know, a, a lot of other companies, you know, Lockhart, all the, you know, all the trade names. We have that relationship on an individual level. So I can look at somebody's record and it's like, oh, I'm going to have to talk to, you know, Carol because she's in invoicing or I know that she's the marketing person. The new person that we hired that's doing business to business, he is going straight to the top. He right. is looking for the company owners. He's looking for the CEOs, the presidents and saying, you know, let's form that type of relationship what do you need from us? And that's where, you know, let's face it, that's where your, your sponsorships come from. You know, well, it's not coming from your individual, your sponsorships and your scholarship and your donations. They're coming from the business to business relationships. Right, right. Well, so, that's why I asked because you also have just just even dues, whether you renew your dues or not. I mean, when I, when I ask that question, Dave, when we're looking at the organizational member, we want to get to the person who ultimately is going to say, yes, renew that membership, the check writer. Because if you don't have that person online, I mean, that membership can go away at any point in time. So that, that you know, how do you attract to that person versus someone that's, you know, this, this, the technology officer for Boeing? So the, the biggest thing for me, and it's funny, we had a meeting last week and my boss and I are both like, yeah, we love data. And everybody's like, nobody loves data. I'm like, I love data. So I can go into, you know, our database and pull if there's more than four people in a company, more than 10 people in a company, and they're just taking individual memberships, then I'm making that call. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm looking to see, are you paying your dues by yourself? Is your company paying your dues? If your company is paying your dues, then I'm going to get on the phone, which I do. I mean, I call people. A lot of people are like, no, we'll send emails. How do you know they're getting them? How do you know it's getting to the right person? So I'll call a company and like, hey, I know that you have these people on a membership. How big is your organization? Or I'll go to LinkedIn. I'll look them up. They have 300 employees, but I'm only seeing seven people are part of ASNT. You know, so you, you get on the phone with them, you call and you, you work your way up to the ladder to say, are you the decision maker? This is what we can do. Our group memberships save money. Yeah. Which is a very unusual role at the associations that we work with typically. So, Pat, I didn't tell you the origins of this podcast, but it came from Tom and I getting together fairly regularly, usually just for fun. And we chit chat about stuff. We've known each other a long, long time. We've gone on vacations together. And I 
come at this world from the perspective of an entrepreneur, typically, uh, mm -hmm. which is a different perspective. Never worked for an association, but I've worked with many, many associations over the past 20 years or so. And Tom comes at this from the executive director position at MTI. And so we have these discussions and debates and we agree on one or two things and we debate many other things. And so when I hear something like that, uh, that's a very unusual perspective within an association. Very mm -hmm. rarely, I'm always surprised and it happens, but I'm always surprised when I hear associations use the word sales or they have a sales team, but what you just described is close enough for me. Yeah, well, I come, I mean, I'm not from the association world. I've, I came from retail, I came from sales. So I've been with ASNT for 10 years now. And it's like talking to people, talking about, hey, this is how we can benefit you. This, this is the right fit for you. It's sales. It's, you know, it's selling membership value. Which is the, yeah, value, right? Value proposition is a, it, it's, 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 the, it's the, the core to creating um, something that people will pay for, right? That's what value is. If you create something people would pay for, you've you've created this value proposition. So what is, and I think you've alluded to a lot of this, so some of this is going to be a little repetitive, but what is the value proposition? I don't mean, I, you don't need to give me this really clear statement, but generally speaking, what is the value proposition? Why do people join ASNT? And the answer is, I'm sure you're going to hear it from everybody you talk to. It's networking. The biggest value is the network. It's the connection. It's the credentialing. Uh, those are those are the biggest things that we see that in our conferences. Why are people coming to our annual conference? They're coming for networking. They're coming to see the people in their industry. They're coming to get certified. Didn't you say, Pat? Y'all y'all do the um, standards and specifications for the industry. Yep, we do the ISO. Yep. So do. Is that really driven by members or is that driven by your association staff, engineers or whoever? Well, we always rely on our members because we only have, I think at this point, we only have one person who is a non-destructive testing certified person mm -hmm. on staff. No, I take that back. We hired two people in Texas. So there's three people on our staff that can actually know how to do what we're asking other people to sign up and do. So right. we rely on our, you know, the peer review to go over and say, are these tests right? Are these questions right? How, you know, so yeah, we're, we're writing based upon what they're telling us. Well, I asked that because it's a part of the value proposition. So in the world of heat treating, landing gear and things in a plane are heat treated. If they're not heat treated correctly, well, guess mm -hmm. what happens? Planes don't land correctly. So the, the, the level of specification standards is extraordinarily high. Yep. But everybody, ever, a lot of people think that those standards are developed by these heavenly engineers. And it's like, no, when I go to, I'm going to this meeting today for two days that are going to have 35 people, engineer and material science people in a room debating over the specification. And guess what? They're, half of them are our members. So by being exactly. a member of the association, you get to be in there writing the rules that you get have to live by when you're audited. And a lot of people find value in that, you know, because yep. they get to be a part of the process and, and make the rules, not just live by them. So I was just trying right. to 
kind of dissect down if that's kind of the same scenario with your group. It, exactly. That's exactly it. We have the equivalent to what you have is our CMC. It's the Certification Management Council. Mm -hmm. So they get together and they, you know, it's everybody wants to sign up, you know, to be on it. And there's a lot of our committees that you have to be qualified to get on. You know, if you don't know how to do the heat treat, you're not going to ask somebody to come in and sit on, tell us how to do the heat treat. No. Right. And our equivalent, if you don't know how to do a visual inspection or if you don't know how to do a radiographic or leak testing, you can sit in the room and learn, but we're not going to ask you to write the questions. We're not going to ask right. you to be part of that certification process. Hey, awesome. Pat, what, what, tell me about, I, I want to ask this question then I want to go into Tom, if we could, I'd like to go into uh, that the foundation behind this podcast mm -hmm. is what's working well from an engagement perspective where do you struggle from an engagement perspective but the first question is tell me break down your revenue for me where does the bulk of your revenue come from so i and that you know that's the one question i didn't look at for an answer don't worry about um, it it's like generally speaking is it conferences so or is it membership it's membership is it surprisingly is not membership i think is probably third so yeah. we have certification we have conferences and in conjunction with certification is our learn program you know so people yeah. taking those exams but certification is one conferences is two so conference and education. way around that's yeah. the bulk of it conference and education followed by membership and dues yep interesting okay all right so tell me when it comes to and again very broad first of all let's answer this well how would you just what do you how would you define engagement what is when you think about engagement what is it that you're thinking about so for for me the engagement are the people that are opening emails responding to questionnaires they're they're showing up at our section meetings they're asking questions Though, you know, the, being a volunteer is a huge part of our engagement, you know, but if they're not opening emails, if they're not like responding to phone calls, because we do ringless voicemail drops, if we're not getting response from that, you know, that's the engagement. It's like, are you using it? So in one of the surveys that we send out uh, for the onboarding is like, did you know about these things? Did you know that we had the affinity partners? Did you know about, and if they start saying no, then it's like, okay, you're not engaged. Or if our click rate is dipping, then we don't have engaged members. Then we have to find another tactic to, to get to them. I love that you say click, click through rate and not open rate. Tell me yep. why you said that. Because I look at the numbers. I look at the metrics. It's like any it up and be like, oh, it's first three lines on a, you know, you, you got to catch them in three seconds, right? So if you don't have a good open subject line, they're not going to open it. Well, once they open it, I want them to click on the link. I want to see that they're engaging. So we have our analytics built behind it. So I can open up an email and it's like, ah, I'll get to it later, close it and move on. If I, they I, open it and click, we got them. I love that you you said that. I can't tell you the vast majority, shockingly to me, the vast majority of association marketers and, and membership people uh, look at open rates as like a big metric. And number one, uh, who cares if they open an email? But number two, uh, oftentimes that data isn't 
actually what we think it is, right? right. It's, it's the system, the way the system engages with it. And now with all the privacy regulations and the way Apple is changing things, you, even if they didn't open it, Apple's going to tell you they did. So open yep. rates are magically rising these days. And, and, and believe me, these emails are not getting through to people or they may not be. So I love the, uh, open rates. The only, there is one place I think where open rates are valuable. And that's in an A-B test or a yes. test within a very short period of time, yep. testing two different messages or two different systems. But I mean, that's a good way to say, okay, this email or this message was probably received by more people than yep. or seen by more people in this message. But the one that really matters is that click-through. Now, the one place where click-through rates are, are you, you have to be very aware of what you're seeing is there's click bots sometimes. Which mm -hmm. systems uh, 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 are usually—it's it not a person; it's a—it's a bot usually protecting their network that's testing links, and so therefore they this bot clicks on links to make sure it's not malicious, which is good. It's great for the organization, but it messes up our marketing data, doesn't it? Right. So, so you gotta like be aware that if you see a thousand clicks in a in, instantly after sending the email, chances are those aren't people clicking mm -hmm. on things. But anyway, mm -hmm. I'm going going way into the weeds here. So I'm, I love that you pointed out the click through rate as opposed to the open rate. Yeah, Pat, I got a big question for you. So, how would you define your engagement point? So MTI. A number of years ago, probably about eight or nine, we we determined we wanted something that was trackable in our AMS. So we could easily be able to download and determine some engagement levels. Um, but how would y'all define, or how do y'all um, track and measure the engagement for your members? So, the one thing I, I like about our, you know, using an automated campaign is when somebody clicks on something, mm -hmm. we can put them into another segment of campaign. Right. So we can see, it's like, okay, you're, you opened up this email in regards to our event that we have coming up. And then you click to see who the speakers are. Okay, so that's two clicks. And then we'll find out, did you go, because we used, you know, a couple of other analytics the marketing department does. And then we can see, oh, you went offline and you, you clicked to see who the speaker was, but now you went and you click somewhere else, you know, so we can, we can follow that trail. So, you know, the member journey, we can see where they're going to. Right. So that's what we're looking at. You know, we're looking to see, you know, are you, are you staying within there? And then you're exploring the other things that are around it. And I assume y'all still have a printed newsletter of some type. We don't mail anything. We are digital on everything. Hmm. Interesting. So where do you what do you think you're doing really well from an engagement perspective? I think we're we're reaching a wider variety of our audience uh, because we have several different tactics that we use. We we use social media. So our social media, I mean, the number of people that we originally just had on LinkedIn. So we have LinkedIn, we have Facebook, we have Instagram, we have Twitter. But then we also have a podcast. We have a blog. We do the ringless voicemail drops. You know, so we we cover 
for me, we cover the spectrum. Plus, we also have, you know, the the emails that go out. We have our, you know, our news that goes out the first week of the month. The third week of the month, we send them an events email. You know, so we're not saying, okay, we're just sending out an email and that's going to be it. No, we're doing the phone calls. We're sending out, you know, the messages. Um, and we have a great staff. I mean, our customer support staff, they're, they're the first line of anybody calling in will go to customer support. So they have to know everything that's going on. You know, they know about the events, they know about the classes, you know, we have virtual section meetings. So for people that don't live in a particular area where there's a demographic, you know, a geographic location, they can attend a virtual section. And, so, and what, do you, what do you think you're struggling with from an engagement perspective? This is always harder to, uh, to admit, but you know, let's get a little vulnerable here, Pat. Where, where are you guys yeah. falling down? So we're falling down in getting our one-year members to retain their membership. Meaning the first year, first year members. First year members, yeah. for whether they're students, you know, whatever membership category, you know, they select that is just for a single year. That's where we're struggling is to try and keep, keep them together, you know, get them to come back. Because once we have them for after the year, they could decide, yes, I'm going to continue on and this is what I want to do, or they're gone. They're, they're taking the boat, they're going on the cruise and, and they're out of here, right? So we're struggling with getting the engagement of that first year, which is why we decided to, you know, we don't want to bombard them with all those emails in that first 60 days. Because if you were, you know, brand new to an association, are you going to want the six emails a week? And think, I'm not going to open anything. They're gone. So we warn them ahead of time. Hey, you have every option to go in there and select. If you're not interested in our events, opt out of the events. So, Pat, I'll, I'll, so this is a really interesting topic, the, the, the way we onboard new members. And, and I, I talk about Amanda Kaiser all the time. She has this great book. You know Amanda. Yep. So I have it. <laughs> I do too. Great, really good book. So you know what it I'm going to say, but this book is all about the experience that your new members um, go through in that first year, because if you don't get them on board right away, then it's a high, high chance they're not going to renew. And the first members for every organization, you know, give or take a handful, but for every organization, new members are the most likely not to renew. You know, that's exactly. where we really got to get them. But, but this is what, drives me bonkers about a lot of associations that I meet for the first time. And I hear about their new member onboarding program and it starts like this. They come on board and then we tell them everything, right? We tell them this and we tell them that and we tell them this. But if you were to actually meet a new member yourself, okay, and I use this phrase all the time, but if a new member were to walk into your art studio there, right, with a sign, which would be weird because I'm assuming you're in your home, but let's just be kind of strange, but okay. <laughs> and, and they're wearing, uh, let's just say it's an individual member and they're wearing a sign around their neck that says, I'm an individual, I'm a new individual member of ASNT. What would, what would that interaction be like? Just actually, let's go through this for a second. Tell, yeah. tell me about that exchange. They walk in, you're like, oh, hi. And they're, they're saying, hey, I'm a new member. What would you say to them? Well, I mean, perfect example. We do this at our annual conference. And I, if everybody isn't doing this, they need to do it. So we have our badges. We have a badge that says new member. 
and we can spot them and we zone in on them what and do you we do? welcome them. How? At our conference, it's easy. You go up to them, you identify them and you start talking. It's like, thank you for coming. You know, how did you get here? Because non-destructive testing, we don't know how you got here. Yes. So you're saying, where did you come from? How did you find yep. us? Right? Yep. Pat, you just fell into my lair. So, so <laughs> that's what you do when you're oh, actually no. <laughs> talking to somebody, right? I get so passionate about this. That's what you do when you're talking to somebody is you yep. ask them a darn question. You're like, what brought you here? How did yeah, you get here? Yet what every association does is they send stuff out. Oh, we're so glad you're here. Look at all, look at us. Look at me. Look at everything I have. Look at all my yep. wares. Look at all the cool things we do. Aren't they cool? Look at my kids. Look at my dogs. I have a boat. Like, right. look at, let me tell you more about me because something in there is probably appealing to you. Yet when you meet them in person and you act like a human being, you ask them a question. What brought you here? Like, how, yep. how, how did you get here? And so for me, that's like, and, and I'm now I'm, I'm just, I'm going, you, Tom knows where I'm going. I'm going down this rabbit <laughs> hole, which is all about my goggles. Rant rabbit hole, rant rabbit hole. <laughs> I know, rant and rant. You've so, done this a time or two, Tom, I've, I see but, it. But I get so passionate about that topic right there. Anyway, we can move on. So you're struggling with that first year renewal. I've seen this in two places. Number one, is if new members, a lot of new members come in around a conference and they get a discount for the conference. Is that mm -hmm. happening there? Uh, that's not happening. I, okay. I, I can tell you where ours is, but I'm going to hear where your number two is coming from. The number two is if uh, a new member signs on and then they're just kind of forgotten until it's time for renewal. Like those are the two times when I've seen from people that their new member rates are down. If they join for the conference and they're not mm -hmm. really joining for any other value proposition other than a discount at the conference and, and if they don't go to the conference next year, they're not gonna renew. And then the other one is where we don't engage them effectively. What about you, right. tell me. So our biggest one is we have one of our largest groups that come from us. They don't know that they're members. They don't know that their boss has signed them up. Yeah. So this so, is for organizational members where the boss signs yep. them up and they don't even know they're they members. They don't know. Yep. They don't know. Yep. So what I what I have done is, you know, I've worked with, you know, marketing. I've worked with my boss. And I was like, okay, we have to tell them that they're a member in a way that they get excited that, hey, your boss thinks so much of you and thinks that you're going to get so much benefit out of being an ASNT member that I just bought your membership for you. So that's that's the the message that we send, you know, in our group membership. It's like, you know, ABC Company has purchased a membership and they think that you will receive the greatest amount of benefit from it. So you are now a member. It's like you're privileged. Not everybody gets to do this. So you're special that your boss puts you in here. That's fantastic. You, you know what we'll do because we run into this a lot is well, our clients will send out a note that says, did, did you know? You're a member, you know, there's your organization's a member, which means you've got a membership. Did you know you're a member of a ASNT? And, and then based on how they answer that, we take them down a different journey, but mm -hmm. oftentimes leading to yet another question then, which is well, what, what, what aches you, what ails you, what, how can we help you? You know, like that, trying to understand that individual's in um, specific issues. Fantastic. Yeah, that that's good. Yeah, Tom, once upon a time, 
Oh, sorry, I was going to say once upon a time before, yeah. you know, all, we started taking on all these other projects, I used to call, individually call every new member within their first 10 days of being a member. And how many is that? How many new members are you getting annually? Um, let's see. Hundreds? On average, we get about 50. 50 a like year. A, 50 a week. A week. Oh, wait. <laughs> that's a lot of follow-up. No, that's a lot of phone calls. No, no, no. It's probably, it's probably not that high. I look at the reports, and some of them are they're considered new if they're lapsed for a certain amount of time, and yeah. then they have a rejoin date that's after six months of their expiration date. Yeah. So the number is probably isn't fifty. I would love it for be fifty. My boss is probably going to hear this and she's like, "Where are these other fifty coming from? Because they're not showing up in our budget." Yeah. You know, but it, it takes a lot. So you know, I hate to say that. I use ringless voicemail drops as a crutch, but if I can schedule one phone call and say, thank you so much for joining ASNT. If you have any questions, my name is Pat. This is my number. This is my email. Reach out to me. And if I can schedule that to go out on a Monday, every Monday, and these are the people that it's going to, they now have a personal contact. They know a name. They know that there's a voice at the end of the phone a who, human will, being. who will be there. Absolutely. Have you considered SMS yet? It, it seems we have. We're, we're thing people are thinking about. We're starting a new database. We're in the middle or at the end of the art integration. Uh, so next week we'll have a whole new database. Uh, and Which once one? they what, get, what are you going with? We're going with Nimble. Okay, so it's a Salesforce tool. No, it's no, Nimble. Is Nimble. Yeah, it's so? a Salesforce tool. Okay. Yeah, so it's based on Salesforce. So SMS has been put into the budget for you know next year to get that done and have that. Um, so is uh, Chat AI, you know, to go onto our website that will connect into customer support if somebody needs an escalated answer. Yeah, so I'm excited to do SMS. All right, Tom, what do you say we go into that final question? I can't believe this was a very fast hour in my book. Yeah. Wow, it did go by fast. But I, wanna, I you want to go for it? Yes, yeah, so I'd like to leave at least. Wait, hold on, so, Pat. Let me explain to Pat what we're doing here because uh, I, I we, feel like I'm in the hot seat now. What's going yeah, on? Yeah. So what's going to happen, Pat? Is it's the lightning round. At, at, lightning the, round. at the end of kind of at the it's one question. At the end of every podcast, Tom and I like to say, "Hey, here's our key takeaway," and it's epiphany, it's a realization, it's just some something that we're clinging to from the conversation. And so I'd ask you, after Tom says his, I'll say mine, I'm giving you a minute to think about it. Uh, what, is the, what, is, what is the thing that came out of the conversation today that you want to emphasize for the listener? Slash, listeners, maybe there's two, but uh, let's, let's assume that there's at least one listener, like my mother might, might give this a listen. Hey, my mom listens every week, Dave. That's what she tells me. My mom's hey, in uh, the heaven up above, so I'm assuming she's hearing every single <laughs> one of them. That's my dream. Ma, you listening to the podcast I do? Uh, so my key takeaway. Oh, you can though, go first, or do you want to think about it while Tom and I I'll, Yeah, I'll let you guys, I'll follow after so, what you so said. I'll jump in because I know exactly what mine is, Dave. So it, what I love about what Pat's doing is they're doing a good job of finding out what the pain points are in their member journey early on. Because um, I heard a great digital marketer say to our group a few years ago, when it comes, when, and he's speaking mostly to websites, but you can do it to sales, marketing. But when you look at someone's web uh, company's website, 
they're answering so many questions on the website that the customer has not even asked yet because they don't know yet. Yeah. And you're not, you're not hitting specifically the pain point is the reason why they want to be there, what they need solutions for. So you need to narrow that down. And so, you know, we've done that in our association and, and it was great to hear how Pat and them are doing this member journey along the way in the first year to try and get to the questions that they actually have that they need answers for instead of saying what you were saying, Dave, throwing everything at them with all mm -hmm. these answers to questions that they haven't even asked yet. You know, it's kind of like you want to feed them the entree before they've actually even tasted the salad and they need to taste the salad to see if I even want to be in this room. Um, so that, that's kind of my big takeaway is being very intentional about not give them everything because they don't want everything. They yeah. want to, they want a little bit focus, laser focus on what they're hurting or stressing or needing so they can be better. I mean, th in th today's world, people want to have less stress, um, quicker access to resources, and they don't want people throwing everything at them. They want to get to some answers pretty quickly. So that's what I kind of took away from what Pat would talk about is how they're doing it. Pat, I think we're two peas in a pod in in many ways. And I really, like, I think uh, we're very aligned, you and me, on our perspective of uh, of engagement all the way from measuring it at the very basic level, I'm not talking about measuring the emotional level of, of engagement, which is a big part, and Tom can get into all that. But like click-throughs versus uh, opens, you know, thing, things like that. The, the idea that we're losing people in that first year because we're not engaging them appropriately. Um, and and uh, I, I think, <laughs> I'll answer this question in a weird way. I got most excited in our dialogue when we started talking about how you engage people at the individual level when you're at a conference the way you talk to them is different from the way you're engaging them when you're not talking to them over or using real magnet and um and, and anyway i think that that's that was a huge kind of um epiphany for me at that moment what about you pat so i i listening to the two of you the the biggest thing that i've realized is that we need to have more personalized, like in like on the phone with SMS, more of the personalized messaging during that first year. Because after our onboarding, they get put into, you know, getting all the general information. And it's during that time between months like three and six, you know, three, six, nine months that we're losing them. So I, I think I realized that I need to, I need to up my game. I need to not necessarily extend my onboarding, but I need to do that engagement campaign starting right on the heels of, of doing it. that yeah. onboarding. Yeah. The personalization is, is a really interesting thing because historically it's been tokens, right? Like first name, title, organization, and Pat with respect, that's just complete junk. I mean, it, fine. You put my name in an email. It doesn't mean we're, we're friends now, you know, but, but if, if we actually, if, if you know a little bit more about me, if you actually are, are engaging me in a dialogue, well, now, now we're getting a little closer down that path of getting to know each other. Much like when we came into this podcast, I asked you about what's behind you. You mentioned Saigon Alley, like this pop-up post um, puzzle 
that yeah. you have. And, and that led to a conversation about our trips to Universal and the, and the wands. You know, my, my three kids, my wife and I all bought the wands and you bought you and your grandkids. Have, I mean, awesome conversation. We got to know each other a little bit because of that. That's personalization. Yep. Personalization yeah, you, is not your first name. Right. Exactly. And you can absolutely say, oh, I, I'm, I'm going to tell you what I know about you. You can't tell them what you know about them unless you start talking to them. This is great, you know? Pat. Uh, I'm, I'm just so happy to have met you. This was a lot of fun for me. Absolutely. I've had a great time. I absolutely have. And like I said, I, I'm always in the room, but nobody knows that I'm there. So we know you're here, Pat. We know you're you're there. Now, I, I'm, here. I'm here. You're the hero. All right. Thank you, Pat. All right. Thank you guys so much. Thanks, I appreciate Pat. it. Good to talk to you. We hope you gained some inspiration that will help you run an efficient and effective association just like a business and maybe laugh a little with us. If you have a topic you would like to hear us talk about, or if you just want to reach out to us for any reason, you can contact us at Tom at TomMorson.biz or Dave at PropFuel.com. Give us a review if you haven't already. And don't forget, subscribe and share with your friends.